Customer Land is a podcast about customers, how to get more of them, how to keep them, what makes them tick. We talk to the experts, the technologies, and occasionally actual people, you know, customers, to find out what they're all about. So if you're a CX pro, a loyalty marketer, a brand owner and agency planner, if you're a CRM and personalization geek, if you're a customer service CSAT NPS nerd, you finally have a home. I'm Mike Giambattista. Welcome to Customer Land. Our purpose differentiation is really the power of our culture and the fact that we really, really celebrate the employee experience. And that that's kind of our defining differentiator in the market. And, you know, some companies focus on being number one, some focus on being the biggest growth drivers or, you know, or having the best, you know, I don't know, community play. Uh, we want to have the absolute best culture in the business, in tech. And I think we're achieving that. And I think our employees are very proud of that. And MK, what, what would you add to that? I know you're you're a, a passionate person on this topic. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I loved what you said about differentiation. I mean, especially during Great Resignation, when it was one of those moments of like, how do you appeal to the employees that you really want to not only recruit, but keep? Um, and so, yeah, we were definitely trying lots of things. And, and I like what you said too, Mike, about it being risky. Yeah, it was, but, um, but it definitely paid off. And the risk that we took was literally just trusting the employees to be responsible, you know, and be accountable. And uh, we, I mean, we're grateful to say that they rose to the occasion. So uh, it says a lot about the company and the commitment of the employees that we have. Um, and I think it's underlied by the fact that they, it, it's a circle, right? Like the employees love working at Alita because we have great products and our customers love us. Like it makes it an easy circle, right? Yeah, right. Uh, it's much harder when you, sure, you might love your four-day work week, but when customers are difficult or the product is broken or what, you know, then the, the circle breaks, so Alita kind of had like that special sauce all at the same time. I, I, um, I'm thinking back now, it's probably three years ago or so when Ross, you and I spoke about this, but I think the stated topic of that conversation had to do with Alita's investment in employee experience internally. Mm. And, this, and this was just one of the ways that you were fine tuning it or expanding it or whatever you want to call it. And, um, and nobody else is really talking about it at that point. You know, we, we, um, our, our, our model and our messaging has continued to evolve. And, um, we believe we're a company, we're a 23 year old startup, Mike. Um, we developed the concept of the power of community to understand your employees, to understand your customers, um, and we invented the technology 23 years ago. And today, community is really a foundation of a more reliable, a more trusted, um, a, a, a more authentic customer experience. So it be, it's really becoming a differentiator. You know, you can do anything you want in customer experience as long as you build a community around it. Because surveys, random surveys with a 1% or 2% you know, response rate or or robots or bots, um, you know, generating responses is not a strategic way to go and understand what's in the hearts and minds of the customers that matter the most or the employees that matter the most. So we 
we've really doubled down on this power of community as a differentiator. And, um, and I think it ties really nicely into that intersection between customer experience and employee experience. And as I said, this, this power of purpose, right, which is be, be the best, be the best world-class culture in the entire tech industry by bar none. Yeah, uh, no small thing. It's nice that you set a nice low bar for yourselves. <laughs> That's right. MK's <laughs> very ambitious. I, I, I work for, I work with very bossy people, very bossy, <laughs> ambitious people. Well, it seems to be working for you from what I can tell. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of your customers. Um, and I want to try and frame this in a way that um, this is about the insights that you as the people leading Alita get as a byproduct of where you sit in this industry and as a byproduct of the clients you work with, the trends specifically, um, and maybe even more specifically, how the brands you work with are harnessing ongoing customer feedback. It, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's about data, but it's about way more than data. So, um, I, I was. I know that you guys have worked with Morning Brew. I well, I know a bunch of your clients are top shelf clients. I wanted to, unless it's uh, under NDA in some way, talk about your work with uh, Morning Brew and how they're leveraging some of the real time ongoing feedback. Uh, and then maybe one or two other customers, if you if you can kind of open up the books a little bit there. MK, you want to take the first pass? Sure. Um, so Morning Brew is not under NDA, first of all, just so you know. Okay. Um, uh, we, we actually have a great video I should forward you if you don't already have it of um, their director of insights and analytics. Uh, his name's Mike Nalen. He actually spoke at an event for us back in December and he tells a, a really powerful story. I will do my best and, and, and Ross too, to, you know, Give our, I like that you ask what our view is on it. I mean, certainly it's a little bit different than where Mike sits. Um, and, and for me, the top line on it, Mike, is every, not just Morning Brew, but almost every customer that we work with, especially on the marketing side where we're trying to elevate their success, um, it's a common theme. And it is the why behind the what. And, and so there's a lot of input when you say it's not just data, there's a lot of data and that's the what, what, you know, what does the customer look like? What are the demographics? There's so much spreadsheets and spreadsheets, frankly, of the what, um, but it's very disjointed. I don't have to tell you this, right? right. And it's the same problem that, that our, you know, top shelf customers come to us with. We have, we have more data than we know what to do with. Nobody trusts the data. The data isn't usable and we can't figure out the why. How do we take action on it? I know that's a very you know, lofty answer, but that's really the top line for us. And that's, and Mike does a great job actually articulating it himself and saying, um, he says there's opportunity in the chaos. I st I'm going to steal that quote from him because I love it. There is opportunity in the chaos, opportunity to find the why behind all this data and actually become what we did for him and his team was we moved them from kind of a service center to the C-suite to actually at the table with the C-suite and become 
incredibly core to decisions because they were the keepers of the why. Um, that's that's no small thing. As somebody who speaks with CX practitioners and people trying to move cultures to enable better CX, uh, I can tell you that um, getting access to the C-suite might be the the biggest, most important and hardest thing to achieve in any of this. Um, yeah. If you don't mind me asking, um, just to get a little deep into the weeds on this, how how does Alita approach getting to that why? Is it is it well, let me just, I'll throw it out there. How do you get to that? Because that's no small thing. I think it's about how we build the power of, a, of an engaged community. So the bulk of our industry sends surveys. You get a survey. There's a survey in your inbox, right? In your Gmail or, you know, in your, in your email right now, asking right you now. to respond to yep. something. And unless you are particularly engaged, and excited and passionate about that brand, you'll probably hit one button, which is delete. What, the way Alita approaches it, we do the hard work by really targeting a set of professionals that care about the brand. And, uh, and, and we recruit them into a community because they care about the brand. I'll give you an example. So Volvo has launched a tremendous uh, portfolio of new electric vehicles. And when they launched their latest platform and several new cars, they collected 5,000 deposits of $1,000. That's a good response. Um, within six months, 50% of those 1,000 deposits, uh, those people that deposited $1,000 each, walked away from their deposits. And the Volvo had no, had no reason, no understanding of all that. So they had no... They had no uh, connection with that random in individual other than the fact that I'm going to be a grand because I want, you know, I, I want an opportunity to order one of your vehicles. So we we approached them because they also wanted to not only know the why, why you made the decision to buy and deposit uh, $1,000 and also why are you feeling like you might want to walk away so that we have an opportunity to respond and maybe, you know, you know, kind of bring it back into the Volvo family. We also wanted to help them understand the who. And we have a double opt-in, right? We are fully SOC compliant, SOC 2 compliant, GDPR compliant. So we go through what Forrester refers to, and we're ranked uh, globally as one of the top zero-party data uh, security providers. Um, and we want you to understand the who. Now, uh, those 5,000 people, um, when they actually go and put the $1,000 down, Volvo will ask them, do you want to be part of the Volvo community to build a better electric vehicle, to build a better Volvo vehicle, to build a better planet? Would you like us to be better to help serve you? And who is not gonna say yes the day that they put the thousand dollars down because they are engaged with the brand. And I'm gonna tell you that I'm Ross Wainwright, I'm 50 plus, I'm an empty nester, my birthday is May 20th, right? Uh, my past vehicles have been Volvos or or not, I'm, I'm a, a repeat client or I'm a new client. That's an important consideration as well. Um, we actually launched the program within three months. We had a community of 15,000 people uh, that are being part of that Volvo community. Not only the ones that have put the $1,000 down, but the ones that are just interested in being part of that Volvo community because they're considering purchasing. Now, what I just described really describes the power of community engagement. 
It's a lot harder to get there. It's a lot more work, but it's engaging with the customers that matter the most. If I did a, if we did a, you know, a, a random uh, survey kind of spray and pray approach, maybe we pr- provide incentives with rebates or something. I get one or two percent. The engagement strategy that we provide around community has anywhere between forty and sixty percent response rates. It's just an entirely different way of approaching a customer experience. I want to take a quick break from the conversation to tell you about one of our sponsors. What could you achieve if you knew what your customers expected ahead of time? What if you could know what customers expect by category and by brand 12 to 18 months ahead of traditional brand tracking methods? And what if you could know exactly where to adjust and where to spend in order to derive the most benefit every time? A customer expectation audit allows you to identify areas that require strategic reinforcement as well as pinpoint which values will contribute most to an emotional bond with your brand and optimize accordingly. Customerland has partnered with BrandKeys, the world's oldest loyalty-focused consumer research firm, to bring real-world customer expectation audits to brands, brand managers, and to CX practitioners everywhere. Want to know where your brand stands and exactly what to do about it? Go to expectationaudit.com. That's expectationaudit.com and download a sample audit today. So if there is a if there's a way to to kind of frame that up for for folks that either don't work with Alita now or aren't the right customer profile for your client list, or maybe they're just too small, but they still are getting what you're saying because what's not to get about this? How would you suggest? How would you suggest people start that? If there, if there really is no community per se, how do you build that? How do you engage those folks? MK, you want to take, start that one? Absolutely. Um, so it, it's actually so much easier than you think. Um, that's a little bit of, I love the leader product stack because of that very reason. Um, when we are able to sit down with a customer who has, back to my story of so much data, um, that's where we start just, you know, what is it that you're looking for? And we can stand up a community for you in 24 hours. Um, You know, it's very plug and play. Um, It, and by the way, once we stand up a single community, many, many of our customers are then almost all of them actually then want a second and a third and a fourth, and it just becomes exponential. Why is that? It's not just about Ross was saying something about the Volvo um, example and Morning Brew, um, you know, they started with what I would call their loyal, their most loyal customers, but quickly changed up into different types of communities because they don't just want to talk to the most loyal, right? They may want to talk to, they want information to sell advertising, correct? So they need different types of information. And instead of just grabbing it out of this, you know, untrusted database, they can stand up a community focused at a certain, certain type of customer. Well, I like to say it's the right customer at the right time and engage with them beyond demographics. So, okay, great. You're, you know, you live in LA and you're a mom of two boys and whatever, you know, whatever, however much money you make. But that doesn't actually tell you what kind of content do they want to listen to? Um, why not just ask them and get their feedback? How about 
you know, sharing some content ideas. That's really how Morning Brew started um, to engage different types of community uh, based on who their audience was, sharing content ideas and getting the feedback. And then they would go back to them and provide that closed loop and say, this is how we're using your feedback. Well, now you just bought in that person to be incredibly engaged. Now that your response rate goes from, you know, 15, 20% to 30% the next time and on and on, right? Because you're closing the loop with them. Interesting. Um, just a little side note, and I'll, I'll mess up the exact statistic here, but uh, uh, essentially what I, this report came out and said that consumers don't really trust that the companies, the brands they engage with, are looking at their feedback. And that was a big number. I'm mm -hmm. going to say 78% or something like that. Consumers Probably bigger than that, Mike. <laughs> that they don't care. And then the, the, the brands on the other side reported back that it was something like, you know, 80% of these, of these brands actually did look at and value and uh, take action on customer feedback. Um, which was really interesting. That whole gap there is just a massive opportunity for for companies just to do something like, as you mentioned, just close the loop. That's all it yeah. takes. And all of a sudden you've gained customer trust where there really wasn't any. It's gotta be a pretty big gain in terms of, you know, customer satisfaction and then, you know, any of your other NPS type measurements. It's a, it's a great point, Mike. Um, we, we refer to that, to the power of a respectful customer experience engagement to close the loop, to go back and and ask the why, to ask who you are, to ask what you care about, to provide some validation of how we're putting truth into action, uh, is just a more respectful way of engaging with a customer, and it builds it builds loyalty and trust. And the when you were describing the uh, MK and Mike, when you guys were talking about the morning brew example. I was thinking about not only the why, but the power of the who. Because if you know that it's it's you're 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 a mom with two college age college age boys in Southern California versus a millennial sitting in Chicago, right? Who's single, you know, who hasn't even you know who's got, who's in college, right? Uh, understanding that demographic is very powerful for the advertiser because it enables you to. We can now start profiling, progressively profiling, doing longitudinal research around that individual, around that baby boomer who's an empty nester, or around the mom with the college-age kids, or the college-age kid, for that matter, in Chicago. So the power of community is it. We, we want to identify who you are. We want to engage with you. We want to have that respectful closed loop. And the advertisers eat it up, right? So they can say, tell me what... So um, uh, we provide uh, a community play for Vogue in Brazil in uh, Portuguese. So they launched a digital version of Vogue in out of Sao Paulo, and they wanted to understand gender, female, Gen Z, Gen Y. They wanted a millennial, uh, and they wanted them in you know in the not in Sao Paulo, but the the rest of, of of the country of Brazil. They could actually provide that exact data back to their advertising community. And that's what spikes the revenue. That's what enables them to control that revenue flow. Alita works with Duke Health. And um, the healthcare world has a set of privacy regulations that are impenetrable. You know, it's, it's a hard wall. And 
that makes that makes uh, identity resolution its own set of really unique and difficult challenges. It makes uh, you know profiling those people uh, uniquely difficult. So um, again, if you don't mind, I would love to talk about your engagement with Duke Health and some of the challenges they faced, consequently, which you faced in the effort. And how some of those are resolved to, to try and, and build it. MK, you want to take first pass on this one? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ross. Um, so again, Duke, Duke Health isn't under NDA, NDA either. So don't worry about that. Um, uh, again, what it's one of my favorite customers. We work with a lot of customers in the healthcare industry. And number one, the biggest challenge that they face is again that privacy, right? Being able to not only gather the information, but then use it effectively um, with all of the gates that they have set up. And, and they're important gates. So let's not break them down, right? But let's be respectful and figure out how to gather appropriate feedback and message back to those people um, within the parameters that are set up, which are very strict, as you know. So they face that challenge and I'll come to kind of how they they um, dealt with it but on top of that what they were finding was they also were speaking with you know what they had stood up with advisors where again maybe you know a lot of companies might call it your most loyal or your most active customers but the problem is it wasn't representative of their larger customer base so maybe it was um, you know older folks or in a, just in a certain demographic that wasn't representative of who they really wanted to talk to, to build a longer term plan. Um, younger people, millennials, right? And, and younger, actually, like, how do we get to uh, those demographics uh, that are very difficult to reach? And oh, by the way, with all of the privacy around it, how do you do that? How do you even figure it out? Right? So it had to be a, double opt-in and then some. So working with Alita, uh, that's exactly the challenge that they tackled and not a, not a small feat by any means, but, um, but we were able to take their data, work with their internal team and stand up something similar to their advisory groups, but actually stepping outside of that and allowing anybody to join then by the information they supplied, they built a community of over, it was 15,000 very rapidly, um, of people who were opting in and sharing that information. And then they were splitting up the groups into the proper communities to um, gather the information they wanted. In other words, we want information from this group of people on how do you use our website? And then from this, how do you prefer to make appointments with us? How can we make that easier? And just those two examples with the website and how you schedule, um, then they combined and looked at the data and just taking that feedback and putting it into action. Um, you know, I'll have to pull up the data here. It's on a different screen, but very quickly they saw impact on, you know, taking down that barrier. The number of appointments went way up. Um, you know, the frustration of the customers went way down, all the goodness. Um, and it started with being able to find the right people that double opted in 
um, to a, a set community, right? <laughs>